On today's Believe in Chicago Sports podcast, we recap the season that was for the Chicago Bears with our friend and host of the Believe in Bears podcast, Joey Christopoulos, right here, also on the Believe Podcast Network. All that and more coming at you on episode 38 now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast with myself, Dan Collins, and lovely co-host, Joey Gelman, who you can find on Twitter, at Joey Gelman. You can find myself on that platform as well, at TweetDanCollins. A special treat for all you listeners today is Joey and I have talked about it on the podcast, off the podcast. We need another fellow avid Bears fan to go on ahead and give us some takes, some real feelings and emotions on what the hell this past season was. So, Joey, we searched far and wide, and lo and behold, on the West Coast, we found a former Midwesterner, Midwesterner, I guess is how you would say that, and diehard Bears fan. Well, I guess we could um, address that question right now and see if they still are a diehard Bears fan after this year and that crazy press conference about a week plus ago. But without further ado, we welcome in Joey Christopoulos, host of the Believe in Bears podcast. Joey? Thanks a ton for your time. Welcome aboard. Gentlemen, happy new year. Thank you for having me. And it's just happy to be talking to some uh, to some football guys, as McCaskey would so aptly and eloquently put it. That's true. And we're collaborating here. This is a, yeah. this is a really good collaboration. So only good, good room, things. Will, it's a good room we're in, we're in right now. <laughs> only good things will come of this. Joey, let's get right to it. So you hosted the Believe in Beers podcast this year on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, you ever heard of it? The number one podcast network for professionals. And a little bit of a loaded question here as we begin, but how would you describe, as, as you know, as as well as you can, I guess, in a summary, just from start to finish, just the narrative you would say you know, your podcast took and what you saw from this Bears team, kind of what you expected, things you saw that you didn't expect, and I guess a little bit of everything else in between. Well, take, let's play the 2020 Mad Lib game. Oh, there we go. And once you start filling in what the 2020 year was like for a lot of us out there, you could pretty much connect a lot of it back to the Chicago Bears team. Um, We use the word roller coaster a lot on the pod. We use the word, obviously, frustrating a lot. But this is something that happens very often when a season starts and you kind of start smelling that things are a little bit off. When things don't make a whole lot of sense and you're like, hey, let's just get through the year and let's see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're a little bit like, maybe we're a little bit off here. But by the end of the season, you go, oh, yeah, hey, right. Cardinal sin. When you start week one of your season, you got to know who your starting quarterback is. Let's just start right there. And that from that point on really opened up this huge can of worms. Now, I was the guy, let's be honest, where when I was talking to Cameron Lee, former NFL offensive lineman, my co-host on the show, I was like, I was cheeky. I was being cheeky about it. I was like, Mitch Trubisky, you know, how many quarters does he make it before Nagy pulls him out of the game? And Cameron would, and Cameron would just tell me, he's like, hey, man, if you commit to, to Trubisky at the beginning of the season, you got to ride that out. You can't change things up. It's too important of a position on a football team with too many moving pieces to make it work. I kind of scoffed at it, and I thought, well, maybe Nick Foles is just better for this football team. They made the change. I felt like I was kind of on board with it, but then you really saw that the personnel did not match up with the quarterback to the point where we were forced to go back to Trubisky. Everyone now all of a sudden, from the head coach to the quarterback, is kind of playing in this game plan in the system that doesn't even really fit their strengths, just trying to make it through the season as best they possibly can. And then 
you know, you go from mid-season where they lose six in a row and everyone says, fire everyone, you know, there's a garage sale at House Hall, come on down, we're selling everything, we're getting rid of everything by the end of the season. Now you have a McCaskey family staying pat. It's this this roller coaster that really just kind of lets you off where you began. And unfortunately, that's where the Bears seem to be heading into this offseason. Well, that's a fantastic and depressing uh, anecdote. I mean, it's so true. It was a roller coaster. We puked at the end yes. of it. <laughs> like, like why? Roller coaster. You're going to puke, but you're going to have a story. There's going to be a story to tell. That's and, the, and that really ugly picture they take is you go down the, down the roller coaster. You're like, it's a really good one. But, you know, Dan and I talked about this, too. On the show and throughout the year, because I, I, I hate as a fan going into these seasons with that little ounce of pessimism. But then it, it keeps rearing its ugly head of what the reality is. Why, you know, as fans, do we keep trying to convince ourselves this team's going to be better or we can finally beat the Packers? And every damn year, it's just simply not the case. Nothing changes. And I, I just don't, I don't get one why I keep trying to convince myself. Maybe it's just like I'm just trying to get something out of this team. But it's, it's so frustrating as a fan to keep doing that because, like you said, we, we end up in the same place. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And the funny part about it is the fact that we were 5-1. and one, You know, and you're kind of in this place. You're in this space that when you're 5-1, and one, it's not looking great. We're doing amazing, miraculous things in this fourth quarter. And you can see kind of some of the holes in the ship a little bit and the water's kind of coming in. But you're like, hey, we're 5-1. and one. That's enough wins to get you to at least 10, maybe even 11, and you're looking at a real positive season. And I feel like sometimes, too, in sports, football is a different beast. We're in the NFL. For some reason, the team in last place goes to first place every single season, but not those Chicago Bears. You know what I mean? Like they just stay, they constantly just keep staying right in that middle area. You know, the six and 10, the seven and nine, the eight and eight, the nine and seven. I mean, these, if you go through the list of what, the Bears have done under Ted Phillips over the last 21 years. It is littered with seven and nines, eight and eights, and nine and sevens. And for whatever reason, the Bears organization feels like it's progress. Unfortunately for Bears fans, we're starting to feel this sense of apathy that we want to be upset, but we're almost kind of out of out of energy, out of gas to be super upset anymore, where it's almost just our hands are up in the air and they're just going to kind of keep letting us, beating us into submission. And now the Bears have a huge offseason i think this is still a very huge offseason with two people that i don't think fans wanted to see in charge they still are in charge they still have to make some moves and i think what happens this offseason can really dictate what this team is going to look like two or three years from now and hopefully not what this team looks like five years from now you mean to tell me beers fans don't want to see ryan pace still as the general manager and matt nagy as the head coach what are you talking about I mean, Dan, let me ask you a question. You know, when when a show comes on Fox, right, and it's really mm-hmm. bad, like a new Fox show, I mean, you give the really bad show seven seasons, right, to figure it out. Isn't that typically how it goes? 100%. You have to have faith in it. Well, I guess it depends on who the director is. If the director and the producer are good in the writing room together and they yeah. collaborate together, we're going on for seven seasons. And you know what, Joey, more to that, we talked about it a little bit, you know, on the last couple episodes that we had. So... I like to, and in, in going back to that press conference, and a lot of Bears fans, let's just face it, they're, they're pissed off about it, right, of all the things that were said. So I'm just thinking about it, and it just boggles my mind. And probably the number one thing that Bears fans were pissed off about was how the, the Chicago Bears tried doing this whole, like, you ever read the book Beautiful Oops? So I, I have a five-year-old son. For all those who aren't on Skype right now, they can't see it. Let me reach over here to my right. 
but it's a book called Beautiful Oops. And if you open it up, what it teaches you is that, you know, even if you drop a little bit of paint on the floor, you know, you could go on ahead, use your imagination and still make it work. And that's exactly what the Chicago Bears were kind of trying to sell with their six-game losing streak. Oh, it's okay. We made the best of it, and that's why we're still here. Six-game losing streak, who cares? Look how we rose above. It was a beautiful oops, right, in the in the middle of the year, and now here we are. And everybody's listening to that and says, what? You're taking a fireball offense, as I told Joey, with the six-game losing streak. You're taking something in an NFL season that's totally ugly. It's literally the spilled milk all over the floor, the paint all over the floor, and you're mopping it up, and you're making it seem like, look what we did. We made a Picasso. It's still great at the end of it. We snuck our way into the playoffs. Did that anger you as much as it probably did all the other Bears fans out there when you heard that the Bears consistently tried to spin a six-game losing streak into something that's so positive because it just expressed how they're this resilient bunch under Matt Nagy? As a Bears fan, as a Chicago sports fan, um, I wasn't surprised. I think that— There you go. As a Chicago sports fan, I think we are all uh, we're all well inundated with poor management and poor organizational moves throughout all of our sports. If we want to go back to our hockey, if we want to talk about the multiple owners that the Chicago Cubs have had, maybe even the current owner that the Chicago Cubs have, the way that the Chicago Bulls have been treated as an organization for 22 years outside of just lucking into Derrick Rose and thinking that they can just coast and keep ripping off the fans with poor product on the basketball court. What I did really find offensive, though— <laughs> is the manner in which they did it. You said a fireball offense for the season. It was a fireball press conference. I mean, they leaned in. Fair. They did stuff where they went, uh, how many times did they say, um, you know, I get it. Like, the Bears are not a good team. Look, I get it. I know mm-hmm. all the fans wanted us to fire everyone. I get it. Like, I know we haven't figured out the quarterback position. I get <laughs> it. I know we haven't won enough games. I get it. And on and on. And to your point, it's so funny that they kept going back to that six-game losing streak, which is honestly, in my opinion, very hard to do in the NFL. They wanted to give them extra credit for coming out of a six-game losing streak and actually winning games. And look, I'm, I'm a I'm a Matt Nagy supporter. I don't know if I'm a Matt Nagy fan. But when you lose four, five, six games in the NFL, you just got to ask yourself the question, is enough enough? Like when Joe Madden loses nine games in a row in September, I don't care if he won a World Series. At some point, mm. you have to ask yourself, does he still have his grip on the team? And through that, they were able to find out that he still had his grip on the team because they allowed them to lose six games in a row. They allowed them to blow a 10-point lead to the Lions in the fourth quarter. They Lions themselves against the Lions. How is that acceptable? That was what was offensive to me. You you know what else I don't think it's was like kind of thrown their way either or what was brought up is they have the six game losing streak and then what is it they go like three and four to end the year that that's basically what it was they they go on the the three game winning streak lose to the Packers sneak their way into the playoffs but they end the season at eight and eight and yes they go on ahead and and ramble off three victories after that losing streak but it's to the four win Texans a seven win Vikings team. And a one-win Jaguars team. Three teams combined 12 wins on the whole year were the three teams that you beat on the back end of that six-game losing streak. So you're patting yourself on the back for still coming out of it and, and putting together enough wins to back your way into the playoffs. But it's against the Texans, who, other than Deshaun Watson, had basically nobody going for them. Vikings, okay, clap, clap. And the one-win Jaguars, like... How is that something to be proud of? And this I was, guess it's not, but it, they'll spin yeah, well, it. 
but when they went back to Trubisky, though, there was this door number one, door number two, door number three scenario, right, that I sort of presented on our pod. Door number one was that they, you know, Trubisky comes back. He's not good. They lose a bunch of games. It's obvious. Everyone's gone. Door number two was Trubisky actually comes back, is galvanized, rips off, plays some great games, actually goes in the playoffs, wins a playoff game, and we're actually like, holy cow, maybe the guy has turned his career around. And then door number three, which is the door that we're in now, is he plays well, right? Efficient. Not great, but at the same time, you're like, oh, there's kind of a ceiling there. They get into the playoffs, they lose, and now look what happens. Pace and Nagy are coming back. I want to ask you guys, do you think – at this point, what is your percentage level that Trubisky is coming back? Because mine has got to be, what, less than 5% right now. Yeah, mine's definitely that low. I mean, I, I really think the Negi trubisky marriage doesn't work. I know they tout how great of a leader he is, Trubisky, and, and all that. But I think it's been clear since day one that that meshing doesn't work. And it shows you just how vital it is to have a coach and a QB and a GM, frankly, on the same page. When you look at that whole picture, I know people have been talking all week about the 2017 draft, right? It's ingrained in our brains. It's our Sam Bowie moment. But it's really, you know, you look at it and go, okay, Ryan Pace drafted Trubisky with John Fox as his coach, who he didn't really want but kind of forced his hand to hire, didn't tell him he was going to take Trubisky, and then took him. So what's John Fox supposed to do besides get fired the next year? And then Nagy comes in and is saddled with the quarterback that's already there. And it's just, it's all out of order. So I think because Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace have gotten a little new lease on life, that they they now hopefully can make that right decision, at least a collaborative, I hate that word now, but a collaborative decision on a quarterback that they like, which frankly means I think just the end for Trubisky, sadly, as good of a guy as he may be, I don't think it's the future with this team. Well, and that's the scary part, right? Because somebody has to take the blame in the fall for the for the lack of production on the offensive side in the football. At the end of the season, the only thing you really had, the only type of fall guy was Chuck Pagano retiring, right? Like that's like the kind of the only, you know, slash, if you will, and it, it, it's him going out, you know, air quotes on, on his own on his own choice. On the offensive side, especially the way they talked about the quarterback play in the press conference where it's not good enough. We know we have to get better. I mean, let's face it. It was basically all these shots they were taking at Mitch, unless you want to kind of direct it to pace and saying, yeah, we, we know he messed that up, even though you also doubled down and said, well, we have enough faith in him to still pick the next guy. So that's where it gets a little scary. If you're a bears fan, because no, all signs would be pointing to then Mitch Trubisky being shown the door, meaning who, who picks the next guy. Or Ryan Pace, the same guy who screwed it up in 2017 when he drafted said guy who now you, you're probably showing the door to. So I know there's all this in the year with, oh, maybe he finally corrects the the terrible wrong he did with giving up the whole barn, 10, 10 draft picks and, you know, the whole defense just to bring in Deshaun Watson. We'll see what happens there. But. You know, when you start thinking of, yeah, Mitch probably isn't going to come back next year, and then you look at the person who's in charge, I'm bringing in the replacement, your mind starts going into all these different places, and can you really have any faith as a Bears fan that Ryan Pace, even though he's collaborating with 10, 12 other quarterback offensive you know, minds there in the room, that he's going to get the, he's going to get the pick right or the choice right? How can you? It's really tough. We were talking before, you know, we pressed record on the pre-show. 
that if Ryan Pace traded up in this upcoming NFL draft, and let's just say he traded up and got the number one pick and got Trevor Lawrence, I would still be skeptical that it's going to work out because Ryan Pace is making that move. That part, you just can't get around it. I am an optimist, though. And the thing that I am at least looking at this from an outside perspective as broadly as I can is that, you know what, with Trubisky, we're getting a clean break. We're not giving him a ton of money. We're not in the situation that the Rams are in with Jared Goff. We're not in the situation that the Eagles are in with Carson Wentz. And now, and look, like, play the tape back. If they sign Trubisky and bring him back, I honestly will be shocked. Not because I don't think Trubisky is a terrible player. I don't think he's a Pro Bowl player. I just think that him and Nagy can't coexist on the same team. We started to see it at the end of the season in post-game comments. You know, little Mitch throwing Nagy under the bus here. Nagy alluding to, well, if this happened, if we clean this up. It's just not It's just not a marriage that's going to work. They need to move on. They need to meet other people in life, fall in love, and live happily ever after. But I do like the fact that we haven't committed a ton of money to Mitch. We can move on from that cleanly as best as we possibly can that some other teams are going to struggle with. And it's not the Jay Cutler situation either. I remember that very well when the, everything started crumbling and falling apart. Literally, they're saying, hey, you know, Chris Ballard, you know, we have to keep Jay Cutler. He's like, oh, I don't want it. So he goes to the Colts. You know, even Bruce Arians is like, hey, I'll coach Jay. And, you know, they don't even give him the job. That specter isn't around there. So I'm, at least I'm optimistic about that moving forward. But the people that make those decisions, that's another story. Jay Cutler. We still haven't replaced Jay Cutler. That's Joey's guy. Jay Cuddy. Smoking Jay, that's Joe. My- <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my guy. I was so excited when they got him running up and down the school hallways, and now it's just a distant memory of sadness. Even though he was one game away from going to the Super Bowl if he stayed healthy, but that's besides the point. As I'm yelling at him, get off your crutches and go back in the game! Except he had a torn ACL. (laughs) Stubs out his Marlboro light and gives you the finger. Well, (laughs) you see, more to my point, and and I love that, Joey, you're being an optimist about this, but let's, let's be realistic here. You, you draft Trubisky in 2017. What Pace really did was set the franchise back at least four years. I mean, he really set the franchise back four years. If you get it wrong again, and let's just say it's via the draft. Don't do that set, to us. You could, you could potentially set this franchise back seven to ten years because of two really terrible decisions. And I, I think that's the scariest part of it all is you – you really bet you better get this right, and you thought that was the case. The when he drafted Trubisky, that they're they're tied together, right? Like, they're if one goes, they both go. Apparently, that's not the case. And I think if you really try to sit down and think about it, you ask yourself, you know, when it's all said and done, do McCaskey and Phillips really trust these? Like, do they do they believe what they said? I know they said that, but like, do they really believe what they said? Or did they spin it? And if they spin it, if they spun it, what's the reason for not doing the right thing that they know is, is the right thing? And the only thing I could think of is, like everything else in life, if you really want to try to connect the dots, you follow the money. <laughs> and the only thing you can really think of, and I don't want to be conspiracy theorist here, is that you know it's been a rough year for everybody's pockets, even the billionaires, apparently. So whatever. But Obviously, they didn't make as much money as they would have liked to this season. Maybe in the midst of a pandemic, they didn't want to have to eat whatever amount of contract is still left on this mystery contract of both of them and go out and buy, you know, go out and have another contract for for other for another GM. That's the only thing I can really think of, because it's either that or they truly believe what they were saying. 
I think it's a theory that I can completely buy into. And look, like this year has been completely unprecedented. I don't think we're going to understand the effect that it's had, not alone on society, love of the sports landscape for years to come, right? But I do think that there are some teams out there. You're seeing this in baseball right now, more specifically, where the big boys right now are just saying to themselves, look, we're punting until this gets normal again. You want to be talking about the Cubs, would you? I wouldn't. I, wait, but, here, but here, though, that's what makes the White Sox and the Blue Jays and the Mets so interesting because those are the middle-tier teams that say, hey, we see an opportunity right now. If we invest on, on the field and we become winners, when it does get normal again, we're going to hit the ground running. The Cubs, the Yankees and stuff, they say, hey, we're brand. our brand is cool. We don't have to worry about it. We can punt for a season or two. When Wrigley Field opens up again, don't tell me that we're not going to stand in line to get the best bleacher spot in the house because we are. We're going to be so excited to go back out there. That will exist. And if you're the Chicago Bears and you're McCaskey, you're like, well, hey, I'd love to fire Pace and Nagy now, but there is something real about, hey, am I going to hire the next person that's going to run my franchise over a Zoom meeting? Am I not going to actually meet this person face-to-face? Am I not going to shake their hand? And I mean, I think that's a real thing. And if you are the Chicago Bears and you are an organization that's bold or aggressive, and I'll be honest with you, honestly, truly cared about going for a Super Bowl, they look at this and they just say, hey, let's just hold down the ship here. Let's just get through this next year, see what happens. We can obviously move on from Pace and Nagy a lot easier next year. If we do, and maybe we do well, I mean, I'm personally, I'm in the boat. I know we want to get to the quarterback situation. I'm in the whole boat of like, it's Deshaun Watson for me or bust. Everything else, every other scenario for me personally is a two, three year project that may or may not work out. And I don't know if the Bears are bold in the position that they're in right now to even entertain making that move. And, you know, obviously time will tell on that, but I just... I think that's a reality, Dan. I'm in agreement with you, and I, I don't think it's something that sports fans want to hear, but I think it's something that's kind of truly going on inside you know, the pocketbooks of a lot of these owners. See, I think that's a part of it, but in listening to everything these past, what's it been, a week or two, I th- there's a real part of me that thinks they actually believe what they're oh, no. saying. I'm going to be that guy. I, I think as much as we want to think it's spin... There is a big part of me that goes, this team has been, not the team, but the, the ownership and management has been just a turnstile for years since Lovey Smith. And the disaster they've weathered, whether it's Mark Trestman and Phil Emery and then John Fox, like it was bad. And I think they really believe that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are the right choice because I think they really like them. And, and they've never had a football czar, and that's what we always have wanted. And in hearing George talk these last couple of weeks, Phillips isn't in the football operations, as much as we want to blame and think he is. Supposedly. Right, but I they view Pace as their Mike Holmgren, their big GM football guy. And they also like him as a person. And so I really think they have, they're have they very much a, a, a family ownership group that's a tight-knit insular circle that is loyal to sometimes a fault. And I think they really don't want to go down that train wreck of turnover, 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 restarting. I think they really like this group and are praying that it turns around in whatever's left of this quote-unquote contending window that could be over in a year or two. They, they're trying to squeeze everything out of it because they want to see their guys succeed. In that scenario, though, Joey, wouldn't that be more hope than trust? 
As in, we know what their results were. Pace has had six years already to give it a go. We saw what Matt Nagy did. Even in even in Matt Nagy's only winning season when he went 12-4, and four, the, the Bears, I want to say, were still 20-21 in offense. So they, it's not even like they had an incredible offense for this offensive guru in their one winning season. So everything shows you, like all the data goes, they're underperforming. So obviously, if you have any little bit of trust in it, unless like they're just great in the room with, with McCaskey and Phillips and could totally convince them otherwise, in that case, wouldn't it be just more or less like hope or, you know what? We just don't want to have to do this again. Like we can't possibly just like revamping the wheel every other years and that's going to work. So we, we just have to hope this works. Well, and I think you guys are both making really great points and look, I don't think we know the answer. So, and I'm the guest, so I'm going to play both sides, but uh, what if, what if it's a situation where the organization is masquerading analysis under the guise of hope? I mean, to Joey's point, they said in the press conference, or they said it, I think, the day after, because the press conference went so badly that McCaskey had to come out, and I think he went on, had to go on like Waddle and Sylvie just to kind of smooth everything over because it went so poorly. And he said that he talked to families like the Roonies who own the Steelers. So if you're the McCaskies, right, yes. and I'm not saying they're right, but trust me, I've spent a lot of time in 2020 trying to get into the mind frame of people that I disagree with. And I'm trying to come to terms with like what that means and why are they just why are they feeling that way? And what if he's talking to the Roonies and he's like, I want to be the Bears. I want to be the Bears just like the Steelers. I want stability. And you know what? I'm going to stick with Ryan Pace for as long as it takes until it works out. The problem is, and I think we're all recognizing it, is what if they just back the wrong horse? And maybe they are trying to do something that maybe philosophically – uh, maybe replicates or looks very similar to what the Patriots and the Steelers and the elite organizations in the NFL do, but they just got the wrong guy, you know? And I think that also comes back to Ted Phillips. I, I The Ted Phillips thing is just, it blows my mind that not even for a PR standpoint, they would just kind of maybe just kick him behind the curtain for a little while, but they let him go out there and they let him talk during the zoom. And let's be honest, what did he add to that conference that gave you any hope, if anything, just infuriated you more. Like, it was really, just really, just, I'm trying to think of the word, like, tone deaf? Is that the word? Is that the proper word of, like, just trotting Ted out there and having him answer questions and explain what happened on a football field in 2020? It's crazy. Well, let's think about this here. This is something we actually haven't brought up. Joey touched on it a little bit right now, where you want this football czar, right? And according to both George and Ted, Ryan is that guy. He's both GM and, you know, the, the head of the football operations. I only see the general manager, but he is our football guy. He's our overall football guy in the room. So with that being said, if you were to get rid of Ryan pace, whether it be this season, which they're not or, or next season, technically you're replacing two roles. Now you, the next GM you bring in could still once again, be your, your football czar, your overall football guy. But Maybe what they're doing is they're saying, you know what, and I hope this would be the case. If Pace doesn't work out and we have to get rid of him, then yes, we do want to bring in two guys. Instead, we're, they're not going to be one and the same. We will have a, a president of football operations and a general manager. Potentially, that's the process. At least I would kind of hope so, because if not, when you get when and if you get rid of Pace, then is the next guy you bring in also one and the same? Yeah, that's a great question. And Joey, I'd love to hear your take on this. Just the whole posture 
of the organization telling the media and Bears fans that we have enough football people in the room. We don't need any more football people. We're not hiring any more football people. We're 8-8. Eight and eight. We're good. I mean, that's that's what strikes me, and that's maybe a little bit more closer like to your point of like where this organization really is and what they think they are when they actually aren't that in reality. You're absolutely right. And, and unfortunately, last week on our show, I came up with a frightening term that it's Reinsdorfian. Like, it sounds so bullsy that it it took 20 years almost for their own president to finally say, guys, this is messed up. Like, I can't do this job anymore. you got to blow it up. He had to have the, the, the balls to say that. You're not going to have Ted Phillips do that, I don't think. So it, it's, it's just one of those weird... Odd scenarios where they're just this kind of close-knit thing that doesn't want to expand their operations, get modern. We like our group, and we trust our group. Well, that sounds a lot like scary groupthink, and bad decisions come when that is your your basis of analysis in anything in life. So that like, is a really, That's a really scary term. I was just thinking, too, like, what, they gave John Paxson four bites at the apple, right? They gave Gar, they gave Gar what, two, maybe three bites at the apple? Like, how many more swings... Are we going to watch Ryan Pace take in the batting cage here uh, moving forward? That, that is that is a very chilling uh, but very apt way of phrasing that for sure. And it's 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 a little scary as a Bears fan moving forward because you know I don't know I don't even know if they're capable of being aggressive in the offseason. I don't know if they're inclined to be aggressive in the offseason. And, uh, you know, what is this team going to look like when we go to training camp and what kind of what's what Matt Nagy going to be shoveling, you know, into our into our heads uh, come, you know, the summertime about what this team is going to be capable of. Uh, it could be a scary. I don't know. Right. What's the reason for hope? Like, like, what is it going into next year? Like, I, I seriously don't know. And I hate being oh. in, in that apathetic role right now because I love this team. My family's been season ticket holders for 40 years. It's like. But I, I'm I'm going into this in that mentality I used to have. I don't mean to bring the Bulls again, but for the Bulls, where it's like, what's the what's the goal here? Why am I investing my time because you're giving me nothing back to justify it? Look, and I'm glad you're bringing up the the Gar Packs type of comparison here because we could talk for hours about this. But one thing I definitely want to get to before we wrap up is let's think about this here now, and and, and all the things we've talked about. It seems like. Trubisky's out the door. Let's go back to that. And Pace obviously has to bring in his replacement. If he does that through the draft, aka it's not a Deshaun Watson or you know some like a Dak Prescott through pre through free agency. If you rewind to 2017, when Pace drafts Trubisky, you say, "All right, well, since you know he's the GM and he drafts him, he's tied to this guy now. What do you do when Pace drafts the next guy?" And he doesn't work out. Like, how many years do you give it? Because then, say he drafts a quarterback, and he's okay, average-ish, year one. Like, Pace almost gives himself, like, at least another couple of years because you almost have to give him, then, the benefit of the doubt there. So that's where it gets even glimmer. And obviously, like, there's so many situations that could come out of it. Like, there, there's plenty of time, to obviously, for the Bears to make some moves here. Not necessarily going to get your next quarterback through the draft. But if you do, does Pace automatically by himself at least a few more seasons as it stands right now you know probably because it's just crazy after a season like this typically what ownership will say or you know mccaskies would come out and be like you know we need to see 
another playoff appearance next year. We need to see above 500 football if we want to continue this working relationship. They did not see that. And you're right. I mean, a couple ways that would reset the clock clock for Pace and Nagy, right, would be drafting Mac Jones, 20th overall, right? Hilarious. Um, Hilarious if that happens. Deshaun Watson, the godfather offer for Deshaun Watson, which honestly I'm totally on board with because – if you're talking four first-round picks, everyone's like, don't trade your draft capital. Oh, excuse me. It's Ryan Pace making the draft picks, first of all. Second of all, if you told me if you could trade Roquan Smith and Kyle Fuller right now for Deshaun Watson, would you do it? You'd probably say yes because half the time first-round picks don't work out anyway. So the Shea McClellans of the world and all that stuff, you're always banking on that as one of your first-round picks. So I, I don't see that as a steep price as everyone makes it out to be. So Mac Jones, Deshaun Watson, the one that – is kind of out there a little bit is I could see them going after a guy like Matt Ryan, honestly, because that's one of those mm. weird band-aid save face. Professional, yeah. Honestly would probably make our team a game or two, a little bit better. Maybe win a playoff game next year, maybe save his job. The only problem with that is that his contract is a little onerous in terms of years moving forward. But I mean, yeah, they have to do something. If they just roll out Nick Foles next year, and they draft an, another offensive lineman in the first round and, you know, I don't know, pick and parcel and get Corey Davis on the team and lose Allen Robinson. You know what I mean? I, I, I still don't understand how they should be on solid footing, and yet they are. So uh, we're just going to have to keep, you know, we're going to have to keep staying critical of these guys. We're going to have to stay on top of them. You know, and I think the unbridled optimism that I enjoy every training camp is probably going to be a little bit lower heading into next year just because, you know, enough's enough. It's really funny, just real quick. I'm, uh, I'm bringing someone on tomorrow who did uh, the 85, the greatest team in football history, he did an 85 Bears doc. I'm talking to the director of it tomorrow. And I was watching the documentary, and the really interesting thing about it was at the time before the 85 Bears, which we're all, you know, we're too young to understand when that happened, was there was such apathy going on in Chicago sports across the board. You know, White Sox weren't good. Cubs, you know, in 84, had it, lost it. Um, you know, go down the list. The Bears were a laughing stock. They were actually having beers being thrown at them on the field as they were exiting the field. And it just kind of gets me thinking a little bit about like what kind of era we're entering into a little bit in Chicago sports where you look around and the White Sox are really the only game in town. You know, we're still waiting on the Blackhawks to win their first game. You know, the Cubs should probably sell the team, but they're not going to. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Bulls, I think, are competitive, but have a long way to go. And then we're here we are with these Bears. And, you know, for a Chicago sports fan, I'm just kind of curious to see how we respond to the moves that they do or do not make in the offseason, because it's going to be really hard for them to get, I think, the goodwill and that like that brimming excitement back into a Chicago Bears fan's heart as it stands right now moving forward. So hopefully they do the right thing. I highly doubt it. (laughs) But bear down. (laughs) Bear down. I love that. So then. Since we're kind of trying to be positive here, I guess in, in before we wrap up and watching this team all year, I know we've said everything's hopeless, but <laughs> what is something I guess you saw this year that you can take away and apply it moving forward as something that's a nice positive, whether that's a player, a part of this team, something you can take away and go, all right, like at least we learned something this year and it was nice. I'm thinking three things. One, we still have quality players on defense at every level that I still like. Eddie Jackson did not have a great year. Still like him. Roquan Smith, still like him. Jalen Johnson, really like him. Kyle Fuller, still solid. 
defensive line, Khalil Mack. We all kind of know that story. The other one is the pieces on offense. We don't have a lot of them, but the ones that we do have that I like are really young. That's important to me, especially when you're looking at contractual clock in terms of like really getting this back into gear. You know, Montgomery's still on his rookie clock. Darnell Mooney's going to be on his rookie clock. Cole Komet's going to be on his rookie clock. I do like that moving forward. And then, to be honest with you, they're going to have to make some moves free agency-wise or through the draft. I like – I feel like we we exited the season better off with our offensive line than we did coming into the season. And I don't – I'm not saying and sitting here being like, Mustafer, Alex Bars, Effetti, lock it in, starters next year. That's not what I'm saying at all. We need to improve that. We need to do right tackle. We need to probably move on from Effetti, in my personal opinion. Probably keep Leno. Hope James Daniels comes back healthy. But what I like about that is now, hopefully we enter next season with a collection of five, six, seven guys that isn't, you know, the Jason Spriggs and the Rashad Cowards of the world. we got five or six guys that we can count on to when that injury happens, step in and make it happen. If someone isn't playing well, we can have someone step up and make it happen. I still think we need to make another move in that area. But when you're a team that's eight and eight, when you're a team that struggles on offense, you know, what's the first thing that you got to do, especially in Chicago when you don't have a quarterback? Fix the offensive line, right? If we can at least shore that up, there's a world where Nick Foles can play in this offense. There's a world where whoever we bring in, whether it's a rookie or a veteran, can play in this offense. Those are the optimistic things I'm looking forward to. We get a first-round pick this year for the first time in forever, which is going to make draft night actually fun to watch again. And that's about it. <laughs> hey, I love, how it's, I love how it's 30, 40 minutes of like, Gosh, the Bears. And it's like, hey, we're still pretty okay. <laughs> we're not we're not terrible, but hey, look, we have expectations, right? We all have expectations as Bears fans. You guys do such a great job on your show too as well of cutting through all that stuff and getting to the reality of like where is this team going? What does this future look like? We can be eight and eight, but we're as far away from a Super Bowl as we are from being a one win team. And that's the purgatory hell that everyone likes to bring up that we're in. I think we deserve more. I think we expect more. I was having this text conversation the other day about Aaron Rodgers and my Bears fan was like, you know what? Like, I can't help but respect the guy. I can't help but respect Packers fans. And I'm like, look, man, I hate the Packers. I respect Rodgers. He's amazing and great. But you're telling me that they get like, what, 36 straight years of elite Hall of Fame quarterback play and we can't even get a half season? The one year Jay Cutler has a great year, he, what, he breaks his thumb and wrist on an interception against the Chargers. Like We can't even get 16 games of elite quarterback play. And it, it gets to a point where, yes, there's a lot of optimistic things to like at least take away from that hopefully that they can utilize to be better. But still, a ton of work done. Got to get the quarterback right. And, of course, the people that we're pointing at to get the quarterback position correctly have gotten it wrong multiple times. And that's the reality of it. And that's what – Bears fans kind of have to live with. It's like getting a station wagon and you're like, oh, I'm going to put ground effects on it and put a woofer and I'm going to trick it out and I'm going to make it look amazing. But it's still a station wagon. Like this is what we've got. It's not a Lamborghini. It's a station wagon. So you can dress it up however you want. But that's kind of the bed that they made for themselves. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I do think real quick before we go, Deshaun Watson, do you guys like that idea? Do you is the mortgaging the future too much of a risk? to bring a guy like that in, or would you be on board with Deshaun Watson coming to the Chicago Bears if that could happen? I'll take it. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll be 100%. It, to me, and like I get it. It's like, Dan, 2017 happened. 
pace missed out on, on Watson. Get over it if we have to give up even more, right, J- just to get him this time. Because technically, you you could combine the draft picks, you know, and all that capital we gave up just to move up one spot to take Trubisky because we couldn't let him go, right? And then combine it with whatever it else, you know, King's Ransom we would give to now get Watson now. More to your point, though, the, the danger of that is, okay, well, we can't even build a team around him now via the draft because we give up we give up all that capital just to bring him in. But let's just say Watson was on the team this year, probably beat the Saints, and then who knows from there? I mean, this team has, has a long way to go before they're, they're, they're Super Bowl caliber ready. But much like to you said, let, let's take a look at our, at, our, at our buddies up north, right, the Green Bay Packers. They, they go from Favre to Rodgers. And because of all those years of just having elite quarterback play, you're always in it. And granted, the Texans were a four-win team this year with Deshaun Watson. But if there's one thing you know about the NFL, if you have an elite quarterback, and as long as you have enough talent around him, and the Bears have still a really good defense, so on the other side of the ball you're really good, then if offensively you have that elite QB, you're probably still going to be in it. You could probably still get yourself into the dance. So for that reason, and because it's that important of a position, probably the most important position in all of sports, I'd sign off on it. Yeah, while I have scary memories of mortgaging in the entire future to Jay, for Jay Cutler, I also am perfectly fine with a Deshaun Watson trade because I think it's where you sit right now. This team, no matter how you spin it, isn't going to be great four years from now. So when I'm looking at it and how the trajectory goes for Pace and Negi, this is a two-year window of salvaging anything from this group. And because of that, you put all your eggs in that basket, Deshaun Watson, to get you to that NFC Championship you want. God forbid a Super Bowl. Like, this is that window because four years from now, this defense is not going to be what it is. And the offense is going to be, you know, Okay, but you don't have that many young pieces there besides a Darnell Mooney that they love to tout, which is a good player, but not life-changing. So I think, yeah, I think you, you have to go all in on it if you're Ryan Pace and Nagy because that's where you stand because it's not your this this window, you know, if it was 2018 to 2022, okay, but you started it right. They started it wrong, so the only way to make up for it is to make a bold move like that, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, anyone who's skittish about that, I would just say to them, we made this commitment when we gave Khalil Mack the highest defensive contract in NFL history a couple of years ago. This is why you do that. We are in this situation now. It's not pretty, but I mean, come on, push those chips in there. Don't tell me, don't tell me the New York Jets is a better place to play football for Deshaun Watson than Chicago, Illinois. Give me a break. Come on. Hell yeah, I love it. Chicago all the way. Even though we have a Chicago, Philly, and Los Angeles show, so we're not all even there in loving our loving our city like we should. Hey, what are yeah? What are we gonna do? Oh man, you got warm weather. I have Doug Peterson fallout, and Dan's got a good Italian beef and is happy. I'll take it. Hopefully, Nelson Cruz on the south side. We'll see what happens. There you go. There we go. (laughs) Well, Joey, this is awesome. Really appreciate you jumping on with us and talking some Bears, wrapping up the season that was odd and a year that was odd. So we're we're, we're grateful for you joining us. Uh, You can find Joey in the Believe in Bears podcast and Believe in Betting uh, for Chicago Sports. Uh, on the Believe Podcast Network. You can't find him on Twitter because he's smart and didn't go on there. But you can find him on Instagram, Joey Christopoulos. Christopoulos is the account name. He doesn't have two last names. They're the same. It's like at Christopoulos on Instagram. And we can't wait to talk to you again. Uh, looking forward to hopefully 
you know, all meeting at Soldier Field in September, vaccinated and watching a game because it sounds like a beautiful idea to me. Gentlemen, thank you so very much. I'm a huge fan of the show. I am a follower of the show. Very thankful and grateful to be on. And yes, gentlemen, one day we will high five each other again until then. But thanks for having me, guys. We'll talk soon. That's going to do it for us today on the Believe in Chicago Sports podcast. Our thanks to Joey Christopoulos from Believe in Bears and Believe in Betting, all things on Chicago sports and Bears football. Awesome to uh, chat with him to recap the season that was for the Chicago Bears. For Dan Collins, who you can follow on Twitter at TweetDanCollins. Myself, Joey Gelman, at Joey Gelman on Twitter. And for all of your friends in the Believe Podcast Network, we thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Looking forward to catching up with you guys again on Monday. Until then, have a great one. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.